Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Evansville Baptist Church. It's good to have you all here with us on this Wednesday evening. It's been a beautiful day today. I walked out after I've been in the church for a while. It was a little bit chilly this morning, but I walked out to go uh, do a little bit of work on the bus and uh, walked out there and it was like warm. I was like, what in the world is this? It was almost 60 degrees outside, but beautiful day today. Good to have you all here with us in church this evening. We're gonna get our red hymn books out. We're gonna turn to hymn number 145. Hymn number 145, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. We'll sing all three verses together this evening. Let's stand together as we do. Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. We'll sing all three verses together this evening as we stand together. have a word of prayer to open our service. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for meeting with us today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us the great privilege of coming into your house this evening, Lord, and hearing your word, Lord, and singing praises to your name. Lord, I thank you that burdens are truly lifted at Calvary. Lord, I'm so grateful for all that you do for us and all that you've done for us. Lord, please bless this service. I pray everything that we do this evening, Lord, would be to your honor and to your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I do have a few announcements for you this evening. I want to make mention of, of course, as you know, this evening we will be having a business meeting. Uh, so keep that in mind, of course, uh, after the service this evening. Then uh, in the bulletin, I know it says that there is a ladies' Bible study tomorrow, uh, but that will not be taking place. Uh, there will not be a ladies' Bible study tomorrow. I put that in there. 
uh, incorrectly. So ladies, if you want to just cross that out, uh, that would be great. I want to also make mention of, and this is coming up in a couple of weeks now, and uh, it's actually coming pretty quickly. I cannot believe that we're already through, uh, pretty much through the halfway point of November. It has gone by so quickly. Thanksgiving is already almost here. What is Thanksgiving? Week after next? Or is it next week? Oh my goodness, Thanksgiving's already next week. We got a lot going on, and uh, man, it's been a busy couple of weeks, but we're grateful for a couple of weeks off before the busy season starts again. Uh, but again, we do have Super Saturday Soul Winning coming up uh, in just a few weeks. That's going to be Saturday, November the 25th. Uh, so again, I'll, I'll encourage you, please join us for that. That's going to be a wonderful time. We'll have coffee and donuts here at the church at 10 o'clock, and then we'll head out at 10. 30 and uh, that'll be a wonderful time uh, together. I believe that's all the announcements that I have for today. Of course, keep uh, Marge in your prayers as she's uh, going to be probably as of right now getting onto the airplane and flying to uh, Florida for just a couple days. So keep her in your prayers and uh, keep, of course, uh, Brother John and his wife and family in your prayers as well as they're going to be driving. Uh, or I think they're almost back now from uh, the conference that they went to over the last couple of days. So keep them in your prayers uh, as, there's tra as they are traveling. I know there's many other uh, prayer requests. Uh, if you don't have a prayer list, there are some on the back information counter. And I would encourage you, if you don't have one, go ahead and grab one of those and be praying for those as we go throughout the week. Uh, there are many prayer requests on there and many people that are hurting and uh, many health issues that we want to keep in our prayers. Uh, so if you would, please, on the back information counter, if you don't have one, I'm sure you would have gotten one in your bulletin. Uh, but if you don't have one, again, on that back information counter, and please be keeping those in your prayers. Let's keep our bulletins open and on that left side we're going to sing our song of the month around the corner around the world let's sing it together this evening we'll just sing it through one time together this evening our song of the month around the corner around the world Amen. Let's get our Bibles out, and if you would please stand with me, we're going to do our scripture reading at this time. Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 18. Again, if you'd please stand with me, we'll turn to Matthew chapter number 1. We'll begin in verse number 18 for our scripture reading together this evening. Matthew chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 18. I'll begin reading on verse number 18, if you'll join in with me on verse 19. And we'll read responsively down through verse number 25 together this evening. Again, that's Matthew chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 18. If you're there this evening, say amen. 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 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Let's get our hymn books out, our red hymn books out, one more time this evening. We'll turn to hymn number nine. Hymn number nine. Holy, holy, holy. We'll sing the first, the second, and the last together this evening of hymn number nine in your red hymn books. Holy, holy, holy. Let's sing it together this evening. a wonderful uh, song to lead us into our message this evening and uh, I'm going to be uh, starting a message and if you can't tell we're getting into the uh, holiday season and if you can't tell by the, uh, the verses that we just read together and I will try to be brief I know we have a business meeting uh, this evening uh, but I'd like to begin uh, with again this passage of scripture Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 and uh, this is a uh, I wouldn't say it's a well-known sermon series, but it is a sermon series that I think many preachers uh, have preached, whether it's uh, their, own, their own way, of course. But uh, this evening, I would like to start a journey that will take us through the holiday season. And uh, to begin, we're going to be in Matthew chapter number 1. 
verse number 18. I'll just read them again for you. I know we just read them, but I'll read it again to keep it uh, at the front of our memory here. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. It says here, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So many, again, like I said, have preached a series that is uh, like this one over the years. I know I've heard uh, different preachers uh, during this season, uh, season of the year uh, preach a series that was similar to this. Although many have preached series like this one, there is no story quite like it. The series we will be looking at this, the coming into this holiday season is simply this, from the cradle to the cross. From the cradle to the cross. And that is what we are going to do. And uh, my desire through this is to preach Jesus while the world focuses on Santa Claus. Or whatever else it is that the world is focusing on during this time. This evening though, uh, we will be starting with the cradle. The very beginning of really our salvation. Now we could go obviously, and during this passage or, or during this message this evening, we're going to go back to very big, uh, very early on in the world, even back to Abraham. So we're going to be going uh, through quite a bit of study this evening. I'm going to try to be quick with this, and uh, there's a lot of information to go through as we go through this together. But uh, Lord willing, on Sunday nights and on Wednesday nights, we'll be going through this together. Uh, there's about nine messages in this series, uh, and as we go through it, I believe the Lord will teach us a lot, and I believe and I hope and pray that we'll learn a lot through it. But again, this evening we'll start with the cradle. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into it this evening. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for allowing uh, Lord me to uh, come and be uh, the preacher here this evening, Lord, and I, I, I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to bring what you've laid on my heart to the people this evening. Lord, I pray that you just take control this evening. Lord, I pray that none of me would be what is heard this evening and none of my own uh, thinking or my own thoughts, Lord, but any, everything would come straight from your word. Lord, I need you this evening. Lord, I need you to guide my thoughts, Lord, direct my words, Lord, that everything would be honoring and glorifying to you. Lord, I love you. I thank you for being with us this evening and bless this time. In your name I pray. Amen. So Matthew records for us here uh, the birth of Jesus along with a genealogy. If you've ever read the book of Matthew and you begin in Matthew chapter number one, it really, it begins. And if we were to look there this evening, which if you don't mind, actually turn there with me. I wasn't going to go here, but if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind, turn to Matthew chapter, well, actually you're in Matthew chapter number one. How about just keep your finger in Matthew chapter number one, amen? Uh, but right there in chapter number one, verse number one, it's speaking about the book of Matthew. And it says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it begins to go through a genealogy that is presumed to be that, of course, of Joseph, Mary's fiancé. 
I believe the importance in the genealogy was that his earthly mother and his adoptive dad were both of the line of, uh, sorry, the line of David, the line of the king. Now, Jesus, the Christ, was also after the order of uh, Melchizedek. How many of you know who Melchizedek is? It's not a very well-known name, is it? Okay, well, we're going to get into it a little bit this evening. We're going to learn a little bit about who this Melchizedek guy is. Uh, but he was also of the line of Melchizedek. He was uh, the priest of the Most High God. That's who Melchizedek was. If you turn in your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 7. Keep your finger, though, in the book of Matthew chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter number 7. And we're going to read a few verses here this evening, Hebrews chapter 7. This is where we're going to see who Melchizedek is. Now, uh, if you look at the spelling of the word Melchizedek in the New Testament, it's different than that of the Old Testament, but it's still referring to the same person there in Hebrews chapter 7. And also, if you were to go back, there's two different mentions of Melchizedek in the Old Testament. One is in Psalms chapter number, I believe it's 110. And the other one is in, I believe, the book of Numbers, but I may be incorrect in that. Uh, but there's only a few mentions of this, uh, this person of Melchizedek. Uh, but in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 1, we're going to get a little bit of a background on this man Melchizedek. It says here, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave the tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, or without descent, sorry, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. So we see here in this passage of scripture, we're getting the introduction to this man Melchizedek. And uh, very, uh, you don't see much about Melchizedek in the Bible, but uh, when you do hear about Melchizedek, it's mostly referring to how he is like unto the Son of Man. Now, I will preface this by saying, Melchizedek was not Jesus. There's some people who believe that Melchizedek was basically Jesus just in the Old Testament, and that's not the case. Melchizedek was not Jesus, and Jesus is not Melchizedek, but both were of the same order of priesthood, and I'll say this, they were not of the Levitical priesthood. Because that's not what Jesus' background was. He came from the line of David, which was a different line. Uh, but uh, the, the, the significance of this, though, and I'll do my best to explain this. There's a lot more that goes into Melchizedek than what I'll explain this evening. We don't have time to go through all of it. But basically what Melchizedek was is he was one, and it says here, and if you look at verse number 3 of Hebrews, it says what? He's without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. So what uh, Melchizedek was, he did not have any father or mother. He did not have any genealogy. But he was a priest of the Most High God, and we see that. So keep that in mind, and we're going to continue on. We're going to get back to Melchizedek here in just a moment. Uh, but we see that Jesus was born through Mary of the lineage of David, though she was his biological mother. Remember, in verse number 18 and 20 of our text, it was said that she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So that's where he gets, uh, where, of course, the connection with, of course, God is, is that she got it from the Holy Ghost. Now, the Messiah was to be born a king, not a priest, and yet he would have to be a king and the high priest, because what does the Bible speak about? He is our what? Great high priest, right? That's what the Bible speaks about that. But Israel looked for the promised king. Thus Jesus came of the tribe of David, thus being the lion of the tribe of Judah. Again, 
we see that because of, of the fact that, and if you were to look through and, and see the genealogy going back to David, which was the kingly line, we would see that it goes back to Joseph, does it not? If we were to look at those genealogies, both in Luke and both also in uh, the book of Matthew here. We see two different genealogies of, of Jesus. So we find here that he, of course, is a priest, but not of the line of the Levites. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of information here that we're not quite going to get to this evening just for sake of time. Uh, but just keep this in mind as we go through this, is that he was after the order of Melchizedek, meaning uh, that he has no genealogy. So there's no genealogy that connects them together. Uh, simply, he is our high priest, and simply he is the king of kings and lord of lords. We see that in Hebrews 7, verse number 3, we find that... Um, there is no, or sorry, we see that in Matthew there is no uh, connection there with the genealogies. The importance of the genealogy in Matthew's gospel is to show us the timing of his birth. A lot of people think, uh, well, the importance is to show the genealogy from uh, Abraham to Jesus. And well, yes, it gives you that somewhat. It's more so to give you the timing of Jesus' birth. That's what, it's, that, that's what it's there to give us. And uh, in Matthew chapter number 1, if you're still there, Flip back there with me. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 17 is where we really get uh, the boiled down of Matthew chapter 1 and the reasoning for it. It gives us each of the generations. It says Matthew 1, chapter number 7, or Matthew chapter 1, verse number 17 says, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. Now, 14 generations, well, we can take that as being 490 years. Now, uh, that is taking each generation as being about 35 years. Now, that comes all the way back from the Old Testament. And again, we won't get into all of that this evening. There's a lot that goes into uh, all of that and a lot of study that goes into that. But uh, the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. So that's the correlation there. It's telling us that there's 14 generations in between each of these major events. That's what it's, it's giving us that there. Now, the timing works out perfectly for the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, and the one who would be called the Lamb of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, in Matthew, though, we see, uh, and also in Luke's gospel, he comes as a little baby or, or a lamb as it, in some ways. This is the way he must come. He must go through all that man goes through so that he can be the Savior of man. The Christ enters his creation as all humans after Adam entered as a baby. And yet without the sin nature, he enters holy and undefiled and separate from sinners. Now, many people would think that the birth of Jesus was the beginning of Jesus. But that's not the case. The birth of Jesus was not the beginning of Jesus, but it was simply his putting on of human flesh and dwelling among us. Let's go to John, chapter number 1. John, chapter number 1. We're going to be flipping back and forth quite a bit here this evening, but John, chapter number 1, we're going to see where I got this from. I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. I'm, I'm uh, finding this in Scripture here. John, chapter number 1, in verse number 1, and many of us probably have memorized this verse here, John, chapter number 1, verse number 1. It says here, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So we see there in verse number 5 that the word, the word itself, pre-existed time. But now, if we see, let's skip down to verse number 14. Down in verse number 14, same chapter, but down in verse number 14. John chapter 1, verse number 14, it says, And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, who created all things, came to his creation, robing himself in flesh, and now Emmanuel, God with us, walked on this earth. As that little baby lay in the cradle in Bethlehem, God was now in the world, but the world had no idea. Go back to verse number 10 of that same passage of Scripture. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. The great eternal God of all creation lay in a simple little cradle, robed in the flesh of humanity. That's why I say uh, there's many that would believe that Jesus, uh, his, His existence began when Mary gave birth to Him, but that's not the case. It says, because in, in John chapter number 1, we see it was the Word. In the beginning, of course, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then we see in verse number 14 that that same Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that Jesus was, was before He ever was born of Mary. And now, of course, He's in a cradle. He has just been born. Now, He was not sent to... Uh, uh, just Mary and Joseph, but he was sent to the world. Of course, in John 3.16, we know this, is that the world through him might be saved. He was Jehovah God robed in the flesh of man. That little human, of course, was given the name Jesus. And we see that in, in Luke, if you'll turn there with me, Luke chapter number 1. And again, we find that his name was not given to him that was just chosen by Mary or Joseph. Mary and Joseph were simply obedient to name him as they were commanded. He did not belong to them. He belonged to the Godhead. Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1. Verse number 26 is where we'll begin there. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Verse number 29. And when he saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus." He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, in his kingdom there shall be no end. Again, we see here how the name Jesus was not uh, one that was just simply chosen by Mary and Joseph. It was a name that was expressly given to them by God. And they were obedient to the command to name their firstborn Jesus. Now, we see also Luke chapter number 2 tells us even more about his birth. In verse number 6 and 7, we see that. It says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes 
and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Mary, even though, even though uh, they did not name Jesus and even though it wasn't something that they had planned, it was something that was given to her. Mary had carried Christ, the Son of God, in her womb. And now, of course, if you know anything about the Trinity, then you know that really, in all honesty, she was carrying God in her womb. She was, because uh, you know that there's three in the Trinity, correct? Everybody knows that? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, correct? And they're all one. They're all the same together. They are all one. And so she had Jesus, of course, the Son of God, in her womb. But uh, she carried him just as any other woman would have carried her own child. And now, of course, we see in Luke chapter number 2, it was time to give birth. He did not belong to her. He belonged to himself, for he was God. Now, that'd be a little bit confusing, wouldn't it? It'd be a little bit confusing to have a baby and say, well, uh, that baby doesn't belong to me. It belongs to himself because he belongs to God. And a little bit confusing there. We could run around with our, uh, like chasing our tail like a dog there for a little while if we wanted to. But that's the Trinity. That just shows, uh, shows that uh, God is, is all and in one. Now we see again in Luke chapter number 1 that Mary herself didn't quite believe that this could really take place. Let's look at the words of what Mary says to the angel here. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 34. And we're going through all of this to show what a great miracle the birth of Christ is. I know there's a lot of information to go through here, but we want to realize really uh, what a great and miraculous thing it was, the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what we're getting at here. And, and Mary herself, again, uh, didn't quite believe it. In verse number 34 is where we'll start there. It says, Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And, th and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So the angel's telling her, and of course, if, if you were Mary, just put yourself in Mary's shoes for just one moment. She's being told by this angel that she's about to carry the Son of God. And, and I don't know if they would have uh, really known about the Trinity then. I'm sure they, they, they may have with all the teaching that they would have had. So she, I'm sure she was probably uh, just reeling by this news that uh, this angel had just come to her and said, Mary, you're going to carry Jesus the Son of God. Now, I'm sure that uh, if Mary and Joseph had been together for any amount of time, uh, if you've ever had a child, then you would know, uh, you know, leading up to wanting to have kids, or even before even trying to have kids, you're probably picking out a name, aren't you? I know I'm, Mrs. Harrison and I did that. We had a girl named and a boy named picked out, and, and uh, we, we had planned that. But then, of course, this angel comes, and now all of her plans are are no longer. She didn't have the same plans that she once had. She's told, well, you're about to uh, carry the Son of God. And I love her response here in verse number 38. She says, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Even though uh, we see a lot of doubt in Mary uh, at, this, at, at this first moment here, we see her willingness to do whatever the will of God was for her life. Mary after she gave birth, lovingly wrapped her son in swaddling clothes and laid him 
in a manger. Now, looking ahead, we're going to, of course, this, uh, this evening just stick with the cradle. But looking ahead, uh, it's interesting that uh, he was originally, as soon as he was born, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then just about 33 years later, he would have been wrapped again in swaddling grave clothes and laid in a quiet tomb. But for now, we're going to just focus on this little uh, bundle of joy that's laying in his mother's arms with so much love. As Mary looked into the face of that little baby, heaven broke out in rapturous praise. The work of the Messiah had just begun. The Lamb of God was now in His creation preparing to do the work of redemption. This was the day that so many had looked forward to. All of uh, a prophecy and looking forward and all the work that had taken place and all that had happened in the world up until this point was culminating into one moment of great joy and great praise. This was again the day that so many had looked forward to. Because that little baby would do the work of redemption for all mankind. Past, present, and future. In fact, uh, later in Jesus' life, we see that there's actually two heavenly beings that came to see Jesus. Let's turn there for just a moment, and, and we'll pretty well finish up with this here. Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 28. Luke chapter 9, verse number 28. This is quite interesting here. Luke chapter 9, verse number 28, it says, And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which, two men, which were Moses and Elias. Those were uh, two Old Testament patriarchs who came to encourage Christ. They were from heaven, and they were rejoicing in his work as well as those on the earth. It says in verse number 30, 31, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he, he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Heaven rejoiced because the promised Savior had arrived. I know there was uh, some things that we looked at in preliminaries and, and, and maybe uh, in some months to come, maybe we'll look more into Melchizedek and, and really dive deep into what it, how he really fits into all of this. And with the royal priesthood and with all of these uh, different things, there's a lot that goes into this. But the main focus of this evening was to look at the birth of Jesus and why it was such a significant event. Why these, uh, these events were so significant and, and they, why they were so significant to so many. It was because years and years and years uh, of prophecy and, and years of, uh, of looking forward to what would come were finally coming together into a glorious day of the birth of our Savior. You know, if it wasn't for this day and if it wasn't for this story, uh, that's why I say uh, there may be uh, many different stories out there and maybe many uh, different series that go along these same lines, but there is no story in the Bible quite like this one. There's no story that we could read in the Bible. We can uh, read about David and Goliath. We can read uh, about the walls of Jericho, uh, but there's no story that's quite like the birth of Jesus Christ. Why is that? All those stories can take place. They're wonderful stories uh, about God's work in the people's lives. Uh, but the birth of Jesus Christ is so uh, important, is so uh, necessary, because without it, we would not have our salvation. 
The birth of Jesus is so important. That's why when we start here uh, in, from the cradle to the cross, everything, of course, is, is, is uh, connected from beginning to the end of this. But it's a wonderful thing uh, to have this passage of Scripture, to have uh, what this is, and to be able to understand how significant the birth of Christ is. Heaven was rejoicing because the promised Savior had come. Jesus, that little baby, came to his creation so that he could die for the sin of man. I love it. And if we were to go to Hebrews, I know uh, there's a great passage of Scripture. I know I read it today, but I don't, I don't remember uh, where exactly that it is. I can't find it here, but uh, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture speaking about how uh, Jesus is truly our great high priest. And if we were to go back to Melchizedek, and again, one of the things about Melchizedek that's so uh, important is if you go back and read about Melchizedek and read about what the significance of him is, is that Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. Now, at that time, the, 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 the tribe of Levi had not been around yet. There was no uh, uh, Levitical priesthood at that, at that point in time, which that's who they were supposed to give their tithes to. So what is being said here in, in, in Hebrews is saying that there's one greater than the tribe of Levi, one greater than the Levitical priesthood, and even he is not to the level of, of Christ. That's who Jesus is, is he's our uh, great High priest. That's that's what, and, and of course, we, we, we added that on to there uh, this evening because I wanted to show a little bit about that. I didn't get to go into it as much as I'd hoped to, and we're running out of time here this evening. But uh, one of these days, I'll go back into Melchizedek and, and, and teach a little bit more on that to give us a greater understanding of what that truly means. Uh, but it just means that, that Christ now, uh, there's no need for uh, Melchizedek, who was a great high priest. There's no need for that Levitical priesthood. Now we have, because of Jesus Christ, because of his birth, we have what's called the priesthood of the believers. How many of you all know what the priesthood of the believers is? The priesthood of the believers means that you no longer, like the Pope would say, you would no longer have to go and pray to a Pope. You would no longer have to go pray to a priest. You can now simply pray to God. That's what the importance of the priesthood of the believers is. It gives you an opportunity to get a one-on-one -on -one with God. Well, of course, with Jesus being the, uh, the mediator there. But that's the priesthood of the believers. And, and, and with, with Melchizedek as a great high priest, and then also uh, with having the, the, the Levitical priesthood as well, but then Jesus being above and beyond all that, instead of making sacrifices to the priests now, Jesus made himself the sacrifice. And I know that's a lot of information to take in at one time, and uh, we'll go deeper into that and really study the priesthood of the believers and, and, and who Melchizedek was deeper and, and, and the Levitical priesthood, all those different things. Again, we just don't have time to go into it this evening. But again, what I'll say is the importance of the, uh, of the cradle is so important that we get that right. Uh, that we get that uh, in, into our minds. And uh, as we go through this holiday season, uh, it's sad to see how so many are more focused on, on the Christmas tree and more uh, focused on the presents and more uh, focused uh, on, the, on the beautiful wreaths and the beautiful parades uh, and all the Christmas lights and on the Santa Claus and all these different things that they forget about the cradle. 
So many have forgotten about the cradle in today's day and age. One of the reasons why we have a church bus out there is to go get these kids and show them what the true meaning of Christmas is. As we go through these next uh, uh, many weeks, I know the kids are working on a, uh, a Christmas play right now. And, and as far as I've seen through the Christmas play, they're explaining to these kids through this Christmas play uh, that it's not about the presents. It's not about the tree. It's not about all these different things. It's about this right here in Luke chapter number 1 and 2 and Matthew chapter number 1 and 2. Speaking about the birth of Christ and its importance. That's what this season is about. So as we go through this season on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, we're going to be looking from the cradle to the cross. This morning, of course, we looked at the cross. Or, sorry, this evening we looked at the cross. What an important, or sorry, this, I just realized what I just said. I said this, this evening we looked at the cross, and I was completely off about that. No, we looked at the cradle, I'm sorry. We looked at the cradle this morning and its importance and its significance. He came through the cradle so that he could go to the cross. That's the significance of the cradle. He had to come. Here's the thing we got to understand is that for God or for Jesus to die uh, to pay for our sins, he had to be 100% man. He had to be. He had to have that clothing uh, of, uh, of human flesh. He had to have that. And so without the cradle, he would not have the cross. He came through the cradle so that he could come to the cross. We may think, well, uh, the birth of Christ, well, it's just, we could just skip right to the cross. That's all that matters is the cross. Well, that's not entirely true. We need the cradle. We must have the cradle because we must uh, have the miracle of Jesus' birth. Now, I would go into all the anatomy of, uh, of Jesus' birth for you this evening, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. But truly is it, it, truly it was an impossible situation. It could never have happened. Jesus' birth was a miracle, just as His raising from the dead was a miracle. It's all connected. So we begin this holiday season with the cradle. He went through the cradle so that he, he would go to the cross. That little baby that day who was lovely, lovingly swaddled by his mother, lying in that cradle, had the purpose of dying for the sin of man. That's the significance of the cradle. Without the cradle, we would not have the cross. Let's keep that in mind as we go into this holiday season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I know it was a lot of information to take in this evening, Lord. Lord, I pray that it was not confusing or anything, Lord, but I pray that the, the main message this evening would have, been, uh, would have come through, Lord, of how important that the cradle is to our faith, how important that cradle is to uh, our salvation and our hope and, and what we have in our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that that would have come through this evening, Lord. Lord, I thank you for those who are here this evening, Lord, and I pray that these things that we've heard, uh, Lord, as we go through this holiday season, I pray that they would uh, stay in our mind, Lord. And then when people ask us about, well, well what's, what's the big deal about Christmas or what's the big deal about the manger, Lord, I pray that we would all have a good understanding of what that is and why it is that we celebrate Christmas the way that we do. Lord, I know that it's not about the presents. Lord, I know that it's not about the tree. I know that it's not about uh, some big fat man that comes and puts presents under my tree, Lord. I know what it's all about, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, as we go into this holiday season, I pray that our church, Lord, our people, Lord, would have a desire to let others know why it is that we celebrate 
Christmas in the way that we do. It's not about the presents. It's not about uh, even the, uh, the fun songs that we sing, Lord. And it's not about, uh, Lord, even uh, family getting together, Lord. It's about you. Everything's about you, Lord. I pray that would be our focus going into this season. And Lord, thank you for meeting with us this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to close this part of our service this evening. I'm going to...